Alright, and welcome back to the Shardbreaker Podcast. This is episode 9 of Mistborn, the hero- I almost said the Well of Ascension, the Hero of Ages! <laughs> uh, we read chapters 58 through 65 this week, uh, which also brought us into part 5 of the book, which I think is the final part of the book, pretty sure. Uh, so yeah, we're getting really close to the end, and I believe we have started the Sanderlanch for sure, based on uh, that last uh, chapter where it was switching between Vin and Ellen like seven times. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna go... Oh, I should say, I, <laughs> I'm i Midnight, your host, and I'm here with Darkness. Hello. And Mythic. So we gotta start all over. No, it's fine. It's fine. You fucked up. We I gotta know, start all fine. over. It's oh, fine. That's... <laughs> wow, Midnight. <laughs> can't believe she would have messed up like that. God. Look, it's fine. I didn't actually start the chapters before doing that. It's all good. <laughs> Alright, we're going to go right into chapter 58's epigraph, which is, Once you begin to understand these things, you can see how Ruin tra was trapped, even though Preservation's mind was gone, expended to create the prison. Though Preservation's consciousness was mostly destroyed, his spirit and body were still in force. And, as an opposite force of Ruin, these could still prevent Ruin from destroying or, at least, keep him from destroying things too quickly. Once his mind was freed from its prison, the destruction accelerated rapidly. This is kind of already stuff we knew. Did you have any new thoughts on this? Not on this. <laughs> Sounds okay. very ruiny. Yeah. Uh, so we start this chapter with Spook's point of view, as Sage explains the mechanism for blocking the water from coming into the lake. Sage also says that part of the northern city will be flooded as well, but not to dangerous levels. Spook tells Sage that he's taking care of making sure no one will be in the canals when they are flooded, uh, and then he turns to some men nearby and asks if they are confident about knowing what to do, to which one of the men says that they are to wait for a messenger and then throw the lever. Spook also clarifies that if no messenger comes, they should throw the lever at nightfall. Sage also mentions that there is a mechanism in the other room that they need to twist to stop the lake from draining out. Spook then approaches Beldre, who is looking at Sage's mechanism curiously. She's excited to have the water back in the canals, but also says that Spook is planning to destroy her city, although Spook replies that he's just going to destroy the government and that her brother had his chance. Beldry had apparently received a letter back from her brother earlier that day where the citizen had accused Beldry, uh, accused Beldry's letter of being written under duress and not being what she actually wanted to write. Beldry asks Spook to give her brother more time, but Kelsier tells Spook that there is no more time, and Spook replies that he's sorry. Spook then leaves Beldry to be watched by some guards. Uh, so what did you think of Kellyon's response to Beldry's letter? With the question. What, what did you think of Kellyon's response to Beldry's letter? Like, the fact that he was like... Basically, like, this letter isn't real, fuck you, I'm protected by the survivor. Oh, uh, yeah! <laughs> Bro, his whole situation was so delusional, and it frustrated me to no fucking end. <laughs> but, it makes sense, you know? Mm. With what we find out, so. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts about the letter from Kellyon, Mythic? Uh, I mean, not really. It was pretty self-explanatory. It's kind of the expected response from him based on yeah. how he's been acting. <laughs> uh, I also had a question: Is uh, at this point in the chapter, were you expecting that Be Beldry would actually stay behind in the cavern, or were you expecting that she would sneak out? <laughs> I, I mean, I was expecting that she's a traitor, so I figured she was going to try to do something to fuck him up. Were you expecting her? I to knew stay exactly put? what she was going to do, and <laughs> I figured, I figured, I figured, I mean, and I like. I got so happy when she did it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't figure what, you know, we find out later, but mm -hmm. I definitely figured 
she was going to leave at some point. Yeah, I feel like also just, like, the fact that she snuck in to meet with them without her brother knowing anyways, like, yeah. it's kind of like, she she's not going to stay. Like, the fact that you think she's going to stay, like, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> you really think that of her? <laughs> she's proven she doesn't do what she's meant to. <laughs> uh-huh. I kind of like her. <laughs> Spook also kind of likes her. Uh, so we skip forward a bit to Spook watching Kellyon give a speech to the people. Spook notes that Kellyon has stopped the executions recently, seeming to finally realize that it was part of what was making his rule so unstable. Breeze says Alrian and Gorodel are also a bit behind him, and there are a bunch of Gorodel soldiers wearing Urto clothing mixing in with the crowd. Dern then meets up with Spook to let him know that the people are gathering as expected, but that some people have been looting, and that all of his men are working to get people out of the street slots. Dern also says that there are rumors that Kellyon is going to use this speech to denounce Spook, and that others and then also have an attack sent to the Ministry building. Dern then says that after tonight, Spook will have the city, and he asks that Spook treat it better than Kellyon has, to which Spook replies that he will. Dern then says that his men will create a distraction during the speech before he leaves. Spook makes his way up to, uh, to close to the wooden stage where Kellyon is speaking, and he listens and waits. Then he hears a commotion, and a beggar comes up to him to let him know that there are riots that Dern did not cause and that the city is burning. Kelsier tells Spook that it was a similar night that he had made the city of Luthadel his. Uh, so what did you think about these sudden unplanned riots? The unplanned riots? Yeah, I was like, were they unplanned? Yeah, so... The, no, they, they were, but like... Yeah. Like, were you worried I that like things were going to get like out of control or something? Because like the whole city suddenly was catching on fire. <laughs> I feel like, no, Loki, because they dismissed it, like, so easily. So you just didn't really even Book think about like, it? Because <laughs> was like, ah, it's fine, we're like here for the main thing, you know? Fair. Did you kind of dismiss it as well, Mythic? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, like I knew it was gonna, I knew it was gonna get out of control because, like, you know, it's what's supposed to happen when ruins around. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Dern's men then create a disturbance at the back of the crowd, and Kellyon's soldiers go to deal with it while Kellyon continues to speak. Spook lets his hood fall back, and whispers begin around him. Spook thinks that in Luthadel they elevated Elland, and now, the, now here they would elevate him, and he would be weak no more. As Kellyon's soldiers begin to fight. Gordel, uh, begin to fight Gordels. Spook notes that the crowd does not leave as they had been as they had been ready for what was to happen. The crowd also was waiting for the promised showing of Kellyon being an Alamancer. Kellyon then spots Spook, and Spook can see fear in his eyes. Spook leaps up onto the stage and pulls out a dueling cane as he rushes at the citizen. He thinks that Breeze and Arian would be using their Alamancy on the crowd to keep them from panicking so that they would stay to watch. Kellyon's uh, couple guards that were left on the stage notice Spook, but it's too late, and Spook crushes one of their heads inside their helmet. Spook then swings at another guard, but quickly notices that he's a thug, uh, and he is carrying an obsidian cudgel instead of a sword. Spook thinks that a thug isn't noticeable enough for the crowd, and that he needs to get Kellyon to shoot coins at him. Spook notes that the thug is trying to keep him busy until Kellyon gets away, so Spook lies, telling the man that his family is already safe. The man lowers his weapon, but Kelsier shouts for Spook to kill the man, so Spook hits the man in the head with his dueling cane, which causes it to shatter. The man stumbles to the ground, and Spook picks up the man's fallen cudgel. Spook then heads towards Kellyon again striking down the third and final guard as he moves. Uh, so what do you think about Spook killing the man? Uh, well, we don't really know if he's dead, but Spook attacking that man, even though he was going to stop fighting. Bro, it's it's when he's like, it's, it's when he's like, he's the, the family's like safe, right? Yeah, no, bro, I, I didn't think he he had like, I didn't think he had it in him, Loki. I uh, know, same. I was like, oh, this is a different type of Spook. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's going over the edge. He's not coming back after this, but... Mm-hmm. Kelsey was like, kill him. He's like, I guess I kill him. <laughs> I guess I do it. My god told me to. He's like, oh, okay. Oh, yes, sir. 
so Kellyanne shouts that he doesn't fear Spook as he's protected. Kelsier then appears visibly on the stage to Spook, which he hadn't done since the burning building, and tells Spook to kill Kellyanne. Spook raises the weapon, but then hears someone shout no from the crowd. He turns and sees Beldry in the crowd, looking at him with pleading eyes to not kill her brother. Kelsier shouts for Spook to kill him as Kellyanne tries to pull away from Spook. Spook throws Kellyanne to the gr- uh, down onto the stage, but then a coin hits him in his arm. He turns to see Beldry crying with an arm raised towards him, and Spook realizes that Beldry was actually the Alamancer. The crowd instantly begins to scream and turn on her, shoving her as they call her and her brother hypocrites and liars. Spook begins to walk away from Kellyanne, but then Kelsier comes over to him and says that Beldre had always been planning to betray him, that he had been waiting on an assassin, but she was already with him, but Kellyanne hadn't expected that his pampered sister wouldn't have it in her to kill them. So what did you think of Beldre showing up and proving that she was the Alamancer, not Kellyanne? Uh, it definitely shocked me, 100%, because I did not expect her to be an Alamancer. Darkness, you were said you were kind yeah. of expecting it. <laughs> so I, I, so here's the part where I didn't expect. I didn't expect her to be like a coin shot. Mm. So you thought he was a coin shot, and she was something else. I thought she was something else, and I did think she was gonna sabotage, you know, the what they had planned. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I didn't think she was gonna show up there at that mm. moment. And I did. I definitely did not know she was gonna be a coin shot. Because I, I was confident that the other dude was an Alamancer, even though there was that, like, slight hesitance of, like, oh, they're pushing it, that he's an Alamancer too much, but... You, mm-hmm. know. you thought they both were. Because, I mean, they are siblings, yeah. so there was a chance that they both were. Yeah, that's why I didn't, like, completely push it off. Uh, so the crowd then pulls Beldry towards the stage and push her up towards Spook. Beldry's clothing was torn, and she has several small cuts all over her. Spook moves to help her, noticing her crying. Kelsier then tells Spook to kill her, and Spook is shocked. Kelsier tells Spook that if he kills Beldre, he will give Spook her coin shot ability. Spook pulls off his blindfold and looks out at the burning city. He whispers that this is wrong, as Kelsier tells him that he will have the city. That Spook will be a god. Which just made me think of Mythic. You'll be a god, Spook. I will make you a god! Spook then notices Kellyon reaching towards Kelsier, asking why he had forsaken him. Kelsier Mm -hmm. ignores Kellyon and tells Spook that he gave him pewter and instructs him on how to take Beldre's power for himself. This leads Spook to remembering how he has a piece of a sword still in his chest after fighting a thug. Uh, so what did you think of Kelsier telling Spook to kill Beldry to take her coin shot ability? So, definitely confirmed your room at that point. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, lightest hesitance like, of yeah. confirming him as room, you know. Um, also, telling him to kill her, not the best idea. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he had more control also, over Spook than he did. <laughs> I, I was like, when he, like, looked down at, or, like, he felt, like, his, uh, like, the sword tip or whatever, mm-hmm. I was like, how is this motherfucker so fucking smart, like, going, processing through it, like, so fucking easily? Also, how do you forget, you know? though, that there's a sword in you? <laughs> that too, but, like, also, like, yeah. he's like, oh, this is how I got my powers? You know, like, I guess I'm gonna just yank it out, yank it out of him, too. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you have any other thoughts there, Mythic? <laughs> I mean, no, I, I definitely agree with, uh, Darkness that mm-hmm. this is when I was like, yep, definitely ruined. <laughs> Why did I feel like you were going to say my real name for some reason? <laughs> what? Okay, Vlad. I don't know why. <laughs> it's okay, Vlad. But, okay, but like, <laughs> but like, if I was spook in that situation, I would not have figured it out. Even after that. But... Piece and shit together. Uh, so Spook stumbles over to Kellyon and Kelsier says to kill him first. Spook doesn't listen, though. Instead, he rips open Kellyon's shirt. Uh, doesn't see a bit of metal in his chest, but he does see a bit of bronze sticking out of his upper arm. 
Spook pulls out the piece of metal, and both Kellyanne and Kelsier scream. Spook turns to an enraged Kelsier and asks what he is. The thing continues to scream, and Spook then rips open his own shirt to expose the bit of metal sticking out of his chest. Spook reaches for the bit of metal, wondering how he could have forgotten about it, but Kelsier shouts at him not to, asking if he wants to go back to being useless again. However, Spook continues to think that this is not right. He pulls a glass dagger from his boot and cuts out the piece of metal from his chest. Kelsier immediately vanishes, and so does Spook's ability to use pewter. Fatigue crushes down on Spook, but it... Uh, but in his mind, he asks if he really wants to be like Kelsier and fight when he's beaten. He shouts in his mind to survive and flares his tin to shock himself into lucidity. Uh, so what did you think of Spook's dramatic uh, removal of his the metal from his chest as well as him removing the metal from Kellyon and thus angering Ruin? <laughs> that was cool. Very satisfying. Also, it, was, it was pretty badass. <laughs> uh, Kellyon had bronze, right? He had bronze in his arm, yeah. But as far as we know, he doesn't. He didn't actually get any power. He might have just had some metal in him just to let him speak. Uh, okay, but think about it, right? What does bronze do again? Uh, give me a second. I can look. I, I doesn't know. it like make clouds? Well, I think remember we learned that the the metal of the spike doesn't correlate to the power because uh, Spook had a steel, a piece of steel in him, but he got pewter power. It's about who it went yeah. through and where it's located. I don't remember. Did he, they tell you where it was taken out from him? They, we don't know where he got his spike. No, 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 no but where but it was. It, it was his upper arm. arm. It was his upper yeah. arm. Which, uh, honestly, it makes sense that he just put it there for, like, controlling him or whatever. Uh, although but we do know, know as well that I believe they were using bronze spikes for, was it for ferrochemical powers? I'm not really sure. We, we don't 100% know how the the metals really work in like how what what does what in hemorrhagia we just know that like you need to steal a power from someone and that the metal doesn't correlate the same way as it does to allomancy and ferrochemy so he could have had some power that's maybe not flashy so they didn't know or he might just have had no power kind of like penrod where he kind of just got stabbed so that he could be controlled yeah i was just thinking it would have been amusing to see like well to think about the fact that if he like had that sensing elomancy power. Mm. <laughs> he was going around looking at people. <laughs> <laughs> he had bronze. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so Spook then pu- uh, pushes himself to his knees as Says rushes over to him, saying that they're losing control of the crowd and that the city is in riots. Spook says that they need to stop the city from burning since it's mostly made of wood, but Says says there's no way and they need to escape. Spook glances over to see Beldry treating her brother's wounds and then turns back to Says to say that, uh, says to say, that's a bit of a tongue twister, uh, to say that they can't abandon the city. He says that the canals will soon flood and they'll have water to put out the flames. However, Beldra then speaks up to say that she had either killed or knocked out the guards she hadn't wanted to check, uh, that were meant to flood the canals in order to escape to get up here. Which, good fucking job, Beldra. <laughs> uh, Spook then tells Kellyon that he needs to lead the people to stop the city from burning, but Kellyon says that people won't follow him now. Spook, however, tells him that he needs to try even if the people tear him apart, otherwise he'll kill him himself. Spook then tells Says to bring Kellyon to Breeze and Alrian, but Says replies that Gorodel can do that and that he is going with Spook to do to go down to the water mechanism to flood the canals. Spook begins to head to the Ministry building and notices Says running on ahead, which he thinks is good. He thinks that he isn't needed, but he keeps moving anyways. Uh, Beldry then appears next to Spook, trying to help, uh, trying to help his wounds. She says she betrayed Spook, but she couldn't let him kill her brother. Spook replies that she did the right thing, as something was controlling both him and her brother. They get to the Ministry building, but find it on fire, sazed outside. Spook tries to go in anyways, but the fire was too hot, especially with his tin. 
Sage says that he was put in charge and that this is his fault. Spook replies that he should be able to deal with the fire, but Sage replies that he and the rest of them are just men. In Spook's head, he hears Kelsier's voice saying that he named him Spook and that he was his friend. Spook then runs into the burning building, extinguishing his tin. His entire body goes numb, so much so that he couldn't feel the heat or the fire. As he runs through the building, he knows that the fire is killing him, but he forces himself onwards. He makes his way into the cavern and to the lever for the waterways. He forces his weight against it and hears the gears turning before he slides into unconsciousness. Uh, so, I kind of know the answer for Mythic on this, but did you think Spook was dead at the end of this chapter? Yes! Yes! <laughs> fuck you! Fuck you! I was done with this book the moment I saw it. I like, he's dead? I fucking hate this book. <laughs> I'd like to convince you to keep reading. Fuck you! I mean, I was already still reading, but like, I was just like, I'm done with this book. I, <laughs> it's okay, book he's now. alive. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, whatever. He, I thought he was dead. For now. Uh, yeah, uh-huh, exactly. He's gonna fucking <laughs> die somewhere down the line, I'm sure. What did you think, Darkness? Did you think Spook was dead? I was hoping he would die there, Loki, because it would be such a cool end for him. Just it like Kelsier, he survived, he died while doing, like, his thing to save yeah, everyone. that's what I was gonna say. It would symbolize the same, like a similar death to Kelsey. Yeah, that'd yeah. be so cool. In my head, I was like, "Oh my god, if he dies there, and people actually start reading that shit of like the survivor of the flames or whatever, survivor <laughs> um, of the flames." Imagine he actually becomes a god too, and then the Kelsey and Spook can both become gods. But whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also like when we find out that he survives i was just thinking so like kelsier has the the scratches on his arms from the spook the now pit, has all his burns and now spook has his burns that is like so fucking cool to me <laughs> <laughs> this city's actually his pits of hassan instead of being his oh fight against the prisoners <laughs> but it really oh. is it really is jesus <laughs> i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna go down that road <laughs> oh my god betrayed by the person he loves Oh, yeah. it's, he's, it's he's honestly betrayed, but also saved by the person he loves. Because Telsier technically saved by Mare because she gave him some ATM so that he wouldn't be killed, and then she got killed. Oh, <laughs> it honestly, my God. I didn't even realize how many parallels there were. <laughs> Except both of them survive in this case, unlike Kelsier and Mare. Well, I mean, we don't know that though. Yeah, you don't know. I'm saying at this know. point. At this point, I mean, I mean, <laughs> there's still two more episodes. Two more episodes, yeah. This book. Yeah, and then it'll wow. be in another book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. When, yeah. when my when my, when my uh my man is a god. You know? <laughs> so that's the end of chapter fifty-eight, and then we start chapter fifty-nine, which is a part of part five called Trust. And the epigraph is: I do not know what went on in the minds of the Coloss, what memories they retained, what human emotions they truly still knew. I do know that our discovery of the one creature who named himself human was tremendously fortunate. Without his struggle to become human again, we might have never understood the link between the Coloss, Hemalurgy, and the Inquisitors. Of course, there was another part for him to play. Granted, not large, but still important, all things considered. Uh, so what do you think this other part that human has to play is? Honestly? No mm. clue. <laughs> like, it's, there's so many things it could be. So. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> what? I just thought about what if, like, this is a completely out of the way type of thing, but, like, <laughs> what if a uh, human is, like, trying to get his, like, you know, humanity back or whatever, and they get, like, a better, like, cognitive reasoning or whatever, you know, like, actual humans, and um, 
they can survive in the ass. Oh. I think I see what you're thinking. <laughs> in my head, I was like, what if, like, they all figure out that they have to be Colossus, and then the Western, like, you know, the next era is just, like, them as Colossus. All Colossus? That's all funny. Colossus. Yeah. <laughs> Colossus We're society. All Colossus. Imagine them, like, riding We're horses Colossus. as Colossus. <laughs> we are all Colossus. Colossus are us. Wait. Like, legit, low-key, I didn't even think about this, but... We know there's horses and like yes. fish and all the fucking stuff. Yeah, I believe I so, believe they have a lot of uh, Earth-like animals. That's the thing, though. The Lord Ruler would have changed their physiology too, right? Yeah, I think they also must have had some changes in order to like be able to survive in the ash. Every single one of those animals, unless some are extinct because of the ash and they just couldn't, you know. Be yeah, it's possible or... that like maybe some just evolved to, they just adapted. We also know there's dogs and stuff. <laughs> I need like well, I, mean. I need like the equivalent of an Animal Planet like show or like book <laughs> for for this fucking like place. All right, uh, so we move to Tensoon's point of view. Yay, Tensoon! As he walks through the destroyed city of Erto, <laughs> apparently he had been here once before with Straff, but he was uh when back when he was the Venture Chondra. He noticed that over a third of the city was burned to the ground, and the buildings that weren't burned were either overcrowded or abandoned. He also noted that the canals were filled with water which they had not been when he was last here. Tensoon continues his way through the city, his sack of calcier bones having been hidden outside the city. He also notes that if Finn had been here, she no longer was, as there was no army camped outside. His current goal was to find whoever was in charge to see if he could figure out where Finn had moved on to. Tensoon also notes, as he listens in on some conversations with people he passes, that the people are not in despair, but happy that they had beat the fires. Tensoon follows the crowd to a ministry building, where he sees soldiers from Ellen's army. Tensoon considers his options for getting into the building, and decides that using Kelsier's bones would be too much right now. Instead, he decides to do an equally shocking uh, thing, which is speak directly to the guards as a dog. <laughs> he tells the guards that he belongs to no man, and that he is his own master, when they try and say, like, shoo, go find your master. As he says this, he thinks that he is likely the first of his kind to leave the homeland without a contract since the first contract came into place centuries ago. He then tells the guards that he comes to speak to the leaders here with a message from Emperor, Vel- e- Emperor Venture. Tried to combine Venture and Ellen there into one. The guards... Oh, yeah, Velen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guards jump, but point inside the building. Tensoon thanks them and heads inside, hearing them whispering about how well-trained the dog was. Uh, so what do you think of Tensoon speaking to the cards as a dog? Is that some Scooby-Doo shit, bro? <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't, like, freak out more, Loki. I know, right? Like, they just <laughs> took it. Like, they were like, oh, yeah. yeah I think it was just sense. shock. <laughs> uh, makes sense. Yeah. Also, what do you think about Tensoon saying that he is his own master? I am my own master. Conjure would definitely be into BDSM. Oh, okay. my God. I'm just saying. I mean, you did ask the question. Midnight, I, so, I didn't uh, expect that response. <laughs> Oh, well, well, you did ask the question. So. Anyways, once inside, Tensoon finds Breeze sitting on a throne-like chair with a glass of wine. One of the guards whispers to Breeze as he eyes Tensoon warily. Breeze leans forward, smiling, and asks if he'd always been Vin's hound, or if he'd eaten the bones recently. Tensoon replies that Vin's hound had always been a Chondra. Breeze assumes that Tensoon is Lord Renault, but Tensoon replies that he is a different Chondra, and that it's a complicated story. Which, Breeze is like, what the fuck? <laughs> Tensoon... <Yeah, right. laughs> that, that doesn't make sense to me, but okay. <laughs> Tensoon fears Breeze for a moment, but then remembers that Breeze is only a soother and thus can't use Duralumum to take control of him. Tensoon comments on Breeze drinking on the job, and Breeze asks what good is it to be in charge if you can't set your own working conditions. Tensoon snorts and asks where Vin is, which confuses Breeze since he says that he was told Tensoon had a message from them. 
Tensu replies that he has just said that to get past the guards and that he's actually looking for her. Breeze replies that they should go talk to Sazed. So what do you think about the little interaction between Breeze and Tensu in there? Once again, I thought they freak out a lot more. I don't I don't think they need their lumen to do that, but okay. Uh, I don't. I think he thinks that because it, it's like, oh, they have to be super powerful. But I think I, I don't. I, I think I also that, don't. I'm sorry, but I don't remember him saying that either. Yeah. So basically, Vin yeah, Vin is unable to take control of Tensoon without using a Duralumen enhanced soothing, uh, because as they've talked about, how like over the generations, Alamancy has decreased in power. Ellen probably could take control of Tensoon without Duralumen. Uh, we normal soothers. Normal soothers and riders couldn't. If he is, um, what is the word? A savant? A savant? Maybe? Yeah, a savant. We don't know. We don't know. I, that, I don't think Tenzin even knows if a savant yeah, could. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be able um, to, like, you know. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Could. That's why I'm like, I don't think you need their lumen. And, like, yeah. I get it. You're, maybe you were talking about, like, in their, like, knowledge. But, like, I mean, in general, I don't think, think they need their lumen to take over. Yeah. Well, <laughs> A, anyone using soothing or rioting normally would. Someone who's definitely like just like a normal either misborn or non-savant soother does not need, uh, cannot take over without Duralumen. But we don't know yeah. about savants. For all we know, a savant could, and we also know that obviously someone who's taken um, the metal that Ellen took, I almost said the name of it, <laughs> someone who's taken the beta metal that Ellen took to become What's Electrum? A, we know what Electrum is. It's the poor man's ATM. I keep forgetting, yeah. okay? <laughs> Like, I, I, I remember the fucking name. I don't remember what it does. <laughs> uh, it lets you see a little bit into your own future. So basically, you can see if you're going to get hit by someone, which kind of counteracts ATM. That's kind of weird. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's basically, they talk about how it's like really not good, except for against people using ATM if you don't have your own ATM. Yeah, which makes um, sense. What the fuck I mean, there, had, there had to... Malatium was the, the 11th medal, the one that lets you see other people's yeah. pass. Uh, right. <laughs> it's okay, you're sick. I'll let it slide. <laughs> I won't. I no, won't this is, all these names are coming back to me, and I'm just like, what the <laughs> I, just, I, I won't let it slide. Darkness, how dare you? Uh, so we then skip to Sayes, finishing explaining to Tensu and what'll happen in Urto. Sayes says that he put Breeze in charge since he is better at dealing with people and their petitions than Sayes does. He also says that Breeze kind of seems to like it. <laughs> Tensu feels yeah. that something is off about Sayes, but he can't quite place it. However, he is more concerned about how far away Vin is. He thinks that even with the blessing of potency, he has a very long run ahead of him. Saison asks what business Tensoon has with Vin. Tensoon uh, at first was going to lie, but then thinks that he needs someone who knows theology and has knowledge of the Hero of Ages. So he tells Saison that he needs to speak with Vin about what, what he needs to speak to her about is regarding the Hero of Ages. Saison replies that he will give Tensoon whatever he needs for his journey and asks how quickly he'll be heading out. Tensoon is shocked that Saison doesn't immediately begin asking him questions, and he just thinks that he'll never understand humans. Uh, were you also surprised that Sayes like completely brushed off that whole mention of the Hero of Ages by Tensoon? I, I expected it. Like he's been doing that the whole fucking time, you know. What do you think, Mythic? Say that. Say that one more time, please. Uh, were you shocked, just like Tensoon was, what? that uh, Sayes kind of just brushed off the whole Hero of Ages thing? He didn't react to it. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't really surprised. The fact that. He's been going through a lot of shit right now, but yeah, he has. But also, like, it is like his whole kind of like the terrorist prophecy thing. This is like his like the big thing to him. I thought I when I was first reading the book, I was kind of like I thought he would be a bit more excited about that, even though he has been depressed. <laughs> you are the hero of ages. You are the speaker, the announcer. Whatever. <laughs> the word changes so many times. <sighs> yeah. 
The original word is announcer. Sure it is. Which is kind of, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we then get chapter 60's epigraph. The prison preservation created for Ruin was not created out of preservation's power, though it was preservation. Rather, preservation sacrificed his consciousness, one could say his mind, to fabricate that prison. He left a shadow of himself, but Ruin, once escaped, began to suffocate and isolate this small remnant vestige of his rival. I wonder if Ruin ever thought it strange that preservation had cut himself off from his own power, relinquishing it and leaving it in the world, to be gathered and used by men. In preservation's gambit, I see nobility, cleverness, and desperation. He knew that he could not defeat Ruin. He had given too much of himself, and beyond that, he was the embodiment of stasis and stability. He could not destroy, not even to protect. It was against his nature. Hence the prison. Mankind, however, had been created by both Ruin and Preservation, with a hint of Preservation's own soul to give them sentience and honor. In order for the world to survive, Preservation knew he had to depend upon his creations, to give them his trust. I wonder what he thought when those creatures repeatedly failed him. Uh, so what did you think about Preservation's hope that humanity would be able to stop Ruin when he couldn't? Well, I am kind of foolish since... You know, you're a god, how, and you can't kill a god, so how do you think, you know... But also, it's kind of typical of, like, the good gods, image yeah. of a god, you know? <laughs> like, gods like god, they're gonna, like, have faith on the people, you know? Oh my god, yeah. Because faith goes both ways, somehow. I mean, it also kind of makes sense with me, his whole... even though I do nothing. His, his whole thing is, like, preservation. Like, the, the reason why he left it to humanity was specifically because he cannot, like, fight or change things on his own. So like, okay, it, it but he couldn't sense. preserve himself. Couldn't preserve like, humanity. What a god of preservation, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> for him. Nah. No, but like, maybe I'm just mad that he died. <laughs> Quote unquote died. Um, His body don't call died. Me that, <laughs> That's for sure. It's fine. He'll get a new one. <laughs> sure. I have a I have a theory on that too, by the way. Oh, do you? Do you want to talk about it now or later? Oh, uh, well, I mean, because we kind of brought it up just now, like, I can bring it up now. Uh, so, I mean, it's a little bit later information that we get that kind of tipped me off on it, but mm. I think that Ruin's body has something to do with the ATM. Kind of like how... Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, wait, so kind of like how uh, the Chondra, like, the all these different Chondra have, like, these different types of bodies, like, whether it be wood, stone, mm -hmm. all that shit... I feel like his is going to be like a metal body made out of atium. Mm. And like, then I think preservations is going to be like, is a body made out of whatever the thing is that they ate, uh, that gave Ellen Alamancy. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. They're going to be metal humans. Also, they're, they're gods, but they seem very human. Like, <laughs> and it's been stated numerous well, times now by Vin of like, his his mannerisms seem very human, and I'm like, mm -hmm. wonder well, if to at some fair, point he was a human, mm. given power through the Well of Ascension or mm. whatever else there might be out there that mm. created him as a god. I wonder. Eh, oh, uh -huh. They did go into it. <laughs> They went into it. They were like, they do go into it a little uh, bit where they say that they don't believe. Uh, the person writing the epigraphs, as you think, is sazed. Uh, yeah. Is they I'm, they mention that um the they don't believe that the minds were always con or like that these like yeah. bodies and minds were always connected to yeah the powers. Yep. Which yeah, is exactly why I don't believe that the power preservation's gone. Yeah, yeah because it's, it's gonna the be body somewhere. and mind are dead. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Somebody's well, I, don't, I, don't I think the body's dead. I don't think the mind is dead. I think the well, they say, they, they the say specifically here that he sacrificed his mind to create the prison. So all that's left is the power. His mind and body are gone. Eh, yeah. I don't know. I don't think Which so. Which is my... <laughs> mm, kind of... You see, maybe says the sense into something. I don't really care. But, like, I don't feel like he's the main one ascending here. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so we move to Vin's point of view, as she thinks that in order to fool someone, she needs to make them think that they are one step ahead, and not look back at what steps they may have missed. She notes that her prison has very little metal, and what metal it does have is made of silver. She had worked some silver screws loose from her cot. Her food was a greasy gruel served in a wooden bowl with a wooden spoon. The guards were haze killers with no metal on them, and her prison room was a stone room with a wooden door and silver hinges. Finn knew that the guards were expecting something of her, so when Yeoman next, uh, so they next came to talk to her about Yeoman, she attacks. She wields a wooden leg from her cot and then drops the guard with her makeshift club. She scrambles past the second guard and slams her shoulder into the stomach of the third. She then grabs the staff that the man drops. However, there were at least 20 other men in the hallway, and they easily knock her down and manacle her arms. Eventually, she is pulled to her feet and brought to Yoan's audience chamber. She squirms a bit as they attach her chain to a bench, which earns her a knee to the stomach. She then slumps to the floor and uses her undershirt that she has soaked in the greasy gruel to slick her wrists. Uh, so what did you think of Vin giving the guards what they wanted by attacking? Well, she definitely got stuff out of it, too, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yeoman asked if she... Honestly... Really... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, honestly, her whole thing there was, like, a pretty good plan. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's resourceful. <laughs> like a cockroach. <laughs> I'm sure that's how the Lord Ruler felt about, uh, Ska mistings. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Actually, probably how he felt about the terrorists, He's like, these fucking cockroaches never die out, these fucking fair chemists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So Yeoman asks if she really thought she could escape. She glances up to see Yeoman looking out the window at the mess. As Yeoman speaks, Vin slips her wrists out of the manacles and throws some silver screws at the guards. The guards flinch away and duck, even though Vin has no metals to push on the screws with. Yeoman turns and Vin lunges at him. However, he casually steps out of the way. He continues to avoid her as she l- continues lunging at him, and she soon realizes he is burning ATM. Uh, so yeah, did you did you like how Vin's little escape from her manacles and her fake metal attack? <laughs> I mean, once again, she thinks of these really awesome, you know, plans, like throwing the fucking spears in the air to fight the Inquisitors in the first book. You know, okay, now let's throw metal at these people think- to make them think that I'm coin shotting them. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was pretty, it was pretty intense, and I liked it. Did you like it, Darkness? I like the. Uh, see, I don't know if I want to go into that. Okay, wait, you can wait. <laughs> You have stuff you no, want to I mean, like, I don't know if I should go into that. What do you mean? <laughs> but I do like the, the cuffs move. <laughs> yeah, using the, the gross food they give her to get her wrists all oiled up so that she can sit yeah. out. <laughs> I've witnessed similar situations in real life. Have you? Anyway, move on. The guards finally come over, but Yeoman just holds up a hand to stop them from grabbing her. He gestures to the bench and then reluctantly goes to sit down. Ruin then appears next to her, using Reen's body. Uh, Vin ignores Ruin and accuses Yeoman of being a misborn. However, he replies that he isn't, and that she can believe whatever she wishes. He then says that it is time to make a decision regarding her execution. Ruin moves to circle Yeoman, and Vin notes that if Yeoman can see Ruin, he doesn't show it. Yeoman asks Vin why she came to Fadrix. Vin replies that she knew he had one of the Lord Ruler's supply catches. He asks how she knew about it, and she replies that he- they found another one that led them to this one. Yeoman asks if the danger... Uh, his kingdom posed was of no regard, but Finn replies that Set had been pushing Ellen to come back to take his lands back. Finn also replies that Ellen had wanted to try diplomacy first, but knew that it would be difficult when bringing an army with them. Yeoman says that Finn is more honest than Ellen, but Finn replies that Ellen is more sincere than either of them. 
Uh, so what do you think about Vin just kind of going along and answering Yeoman's questions? What do you think, like, her plan so, was here? when she decided to do that, in my head, I was like, that's not a good idea. Like, I didn't feel like it was a safe option, even though she was like, you know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any idea what yeah. her kind of plan was going into this? Nope. I don't, I don't even think she had a plan, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just get away. Let's go. Well, I think her plan was to try and I will leave. talk to Yeoman and like it seems like her plan was to like try and slowly convince him to like work with her or at least to get more information out of him and Ruin by being in the okay. same room with both of them. I mean, she definitely she definitely tricked Ruin, that's for sure. <laughs> that was the that to me was like the crazy. Yeah, that part coming up is it's it's fun. I was like I was like, damn, bro, like, you're a, you're a god, you keep telling everybody you're a god, but you're letting this mortal fucking You're just bullshitting you her way through, oh, like, taunting shit. him. That's insane. Uh, it's good. I'm sorry, but as soon as, like, as soon as, like, she realized that he got tricked, and if I were here, I would not stop laughing, bro. I don't, I would, right? I, I would fucking die laughing. He would, he could literally crush me right there and there. I would still, I would still be laughing. Yo, man, what, what do you mean the ATM? I don't have the ATM. What the fuck you mean you've got no ATM? <laughs> she said you did. He's like, yeah, of course I lied to her. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, was so dumb. I love that so much. He's so... <laughs> oh, we'll get to it. It's so good. Uh, Vin watches yep. Yeoman and notes that even though he's quite different from her, he also has some of the same mannerisms. She wonders if she had been more, if she would have been more like Yeoman if she had been raised a noble instead of a Scot urchin. Ruin notes that Yeoman is a disappointment and that he hadn't been able to get him to move out of his city to cause destruction. Yeoman states that Vin and Elland came here for his stockpile and because they feared the Lord Ruler's powers returning. Vin replies that they did not fear Yeoman because of his ties to the Lord Ruler, but because he was a foreign power with a proven ability to undermine its government. Yeoman then asks about the Church's survivor, but Vin replies that she isn't a head of the religion, just revered by the people in it because of her connection to Kelsier. Yeoman then briefly mentions how he finds it strange to worship an unseen god. Vin then mentions that Yeoman technically worships an unseen god because the Lord Ruler is now dead, but Yeoman replies that he does not believe that the Lord Ruler is dead, even if he has not seen or heard from him since, uh, since Vin apparently killed him. Yeoman then has Vin tell him exactly what happened that night. Yeoman listens carefully, not interrupting once. Vin notes that the other obligators in the room have white faces after hearing her story. Yeoman, however, just states that he doesn't understand why the Lord Ruler wants Vin and the people to believe he is dead. Vin realizes that this is really why Yeoman captured her. He wants to figure out how Vin fits into his idea about the Lord Ruler still being alive. So what do you think about this contradiction of Yeoman wanting to execute Vin for being the Lord uh, execute Vin for the Lord Ruler's death while also claiming the Lord Ruler is still alive? <laughs> it was kind of flawed. Loki, he had deaths. this is where like I was like getting super annoyed. <laughs> like there were so many things in line that just Proved him wrong, proved him right. Like, she could have she, she tried manipulating it, actually. <laughs> and he still wouldn't take, like, any sort of fucking hint. He's in like, any no, fucking no, no. direction <laughs> other than, like, cover <laughs> crazy, yeah. He's like, no, 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 so, the Lord Ruler still lives. And it's not even, but like... But he's dead. As far so as, gonna die. As far as we know, he can't even see Ruin either, so it's not even like the Ruin was showing up as the Lord Ruler to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just, he's just, just straight faith in it. He's just crazy, yeah. Uh, so Ruin asks Vin why she isn't happy that the Ska worship her. And Yeoman muses to himself that the Lord Ruler must want Vin to be worshipped by the Ska for some reason. Ruin then continues asking why she's uncomfortable and also mentions how the word survivor seems to be a word of preservation. 
Yeoman wonders if the Lord Ruler wants them to worship Vin so that he can come back and destroy her to show once and for all that he is the only true faith. With both Yeoman and Ruin talking about the church as a survivor, Vin suddenly shouts out that they're wrong. She says that they shouldn't worship her as Kelsier was the one that freed them, not her. He tells Yeoman that the Lord Ruler won't return because she took his place. Vin thinks that Ellen had thought of himself as becoming the Lord Ruler, but he was wrong. She was the one who had made the other kings submit. She had filled the same role as Rashak. Her real role in all of this suddenly came to her, and she tells Yeoman that she isn't the survivor's heir, but the Lord Ruler's. Do you agree that Vin is the Lord Ruler's heir? Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Even Tensoon thinks that. <laughs> She's the mother. She is the mother. Uh, Yeoman shakes his head, but Vin replies that she knew there was an extra motive behind having Vin locked up instead of killing her right away. She says that Yeoman wanted to execute her for killing the Lord Ruler, yet he believed the Lord Ruler was still alive. She says that if he believes the Lord Ruler wants to topple her, then he can't interfere in his god's plans. She says that he can't kill her until he knows her place in this theology. She steps forward, and Yeoman also moves, not letting her avoid him as he throws her to the floor and pins her down with a knee to her back. Yeoman replies that he may not kill her, but that doesn't mean she isn't in any danger. He tells her that he wants her to tell Ellen to send his army away. Yeoman states that if they're really good people, as they say they are, they know that he will use the stockpile to feed his people, so they should leave. Finn replies that they need the seed grain, as they can still grow food in the central dominance. He tells her to trade him for it then, but she replies that he wouldn't talk to them. He's like, just trade with me if that's all you want. She's like, you fucking wouldn't! <laughs> uh, Yeoman gets up, and Vin moves to sit up, rubbing her neck. She says that it's about more than the storage cache, and that there are clues left by the Lord Ruler in each of the caches, uh, and that with all of them there, they might... With all of them, there might be something that can save them. Yeoman snorts and asks if she didn't read the plaque, but Vin replies that she did. Yeoman says that she knows what it says now, so why take the city from him? Uh, so were you surprised that Yeoman seems to have so little interest in this plaque written by his god? Like, he just dismisses it when he's, like, all about the Lord Ruler. Why? I'm upset he's still alive. Hmm? I said I'm upset he's still alive. <laughs> you don't like Yeoman still being alive? I don't. He's so fucking annoying. <laughs> he annoys me more than Sace does. <laughs> and Sace is getting on my good books now, so... <laughs> <laughs> Get it? Cause he books now. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I got it. <laughs> Tensu is also getting in Say's good books. <laughs> Tensu can get in my books anytime. Oh God. Anyways, Mythic, do you have any any thoughts about Yeoman just dismissing this plaque written by the Lord Ruler? Who's Yeoman again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not really. He doesn't seem like that big of a like. He seems like a seems like he's a follower, but he's not really. What's the word? Uh, Faithful. That's it. Mm. Seems very uh, like he's he's saying he's you know wants to you know follow in the Lord Ruler's footsteps, but he doesn't really understand where he's you know where that is. Uh, so Vin then replies that she knows that he has it, the ATM. Yoma replies that the ATM is worthless, as its only value was in those that could burn it and those that wanted uh, that wanted as much of it as possible from the Lord Ruler, so that they could show their power off to the other nobles. Yeoman has the guards begin to haul Vin off and says that compared to food, what good is Atium? He says that the real riches were the food in the cavern and that he needs to figure out what the Lord Ruler wants him to do next. And then we have chapter 61. What do you want from me? <laughs> uh, chapter 61's epigraph. I don't, I don't wonder what we folk. I just fucked that up. I don't Words. wonder that Words. we folk. <laughs> I don't wonder <laughs> that we focused far too much on the mist during those days. But from what I now know of sunlight and plant development, I realize that our crops weren't in as much danger from the misty days as we feared. We might very well have been able to find plants to eat that did not need as much light to survive. 
True, the mist did also cause some deaths in those that went out in them, but the numbers killed were not large enough percentage of the population to be a threat to our survival as a species. The ash, that was our real problem. The smoke filled the atmosphere, the black flakes covering up everything beneath, the eruptions in the volcanic ash mounts, those were what would kill the world. Uh, so do you agree that the main characters kind of focused way too much on the mists when they weren't really yep. as big of an issue? No? Mists no. mist aren't, aren't a big issue? Hmm. The mists are the biggest issue, what do you mean? Nah, mist they're definitely not. It's definitely, it's definitely giving them powers and they just can't handle it. They're sick. I meant more that it wasn't like a big issue in terms of like the survival of their species. Like they were like, oh shit, the mists are killing us. The mists are gonna like keep us from growing shit. And it's like, no, really, it's, it's the ash. <laughs> yeah, ash is definitely killing you. But... How many How many people has the ash killed? A lot. From starvation? <laughs> Lots. <laughs> also the lava from the ash mounts. <laughs> I think that's killed a few few people. Uh, so we switched to Ellen's point you of see, view. But they, but they wouldn't focus on the lava. They would focus on the ash, clearly. <laughs> uh, we switched to Ellen's point of view as he makes it back to the war camp. Ham excitedly hurries over to him, and Ellen wonders if Ham thought he'd either get himself killed or abandon them. Ellen tries to push those thoughts away, though, and thinks that he can't worry about everything at once. He needs to trust himself and keep going. He wonders about his interaction with the Mist Spirit as Ham regards the new Coloss army. Ellen asks if there are any news of Vin, and Ham mentions that they have sent out a scout to see her and that she is still alive. It's apparently been a bit since then, but Ellen says that Vin is still alive. He then mentions to Ham that it isn't just Faith and that her Coloss are still under control, which Ham says that he wishes Ellen had mentioned earlier about the Coloss that Vin controlled so that he could keep an eye on them in case they, she did get killed. Ellen just replies that he'd forgotten how many he controlled and that if they go wild, he'll take them over. Mm -hmm. Ham then mentions that they received a scout from the Central Dominance. Apparently, most of their scouts did not return and no one knows what happened to Demo's group. They have also lost many of the cities that they had conquered and people are starving. Villages were abandoned and the few that survived fled to Luthadel. Also, King Lekel and his city fell to lava from one of the ash mounts. They also haven't heard from Janarl in weeks. The northern dominance is in chaos, and the southern dominance is burning. Uh, so what do you think has happened to Dinmo's group? Do you think they're still alive? Sure. Yeah. I, I the the ones that, they, they, they were sent away for a reason, you know? <laughs> Loki, I forgot about them, but yeah, they, they were sent away for a reason. They're definitely they're... important, just forgot all about them. <laughs> yeah. What I'm wondering is, how, how is being underground going to help? Don't know. Yeah. Maybe it blocks out, like, lead and shit like that? I don't know. Uh, so Ham asks what they'll do, and Ellen just replies that they won't give up. Ellen then goes to change and runs into Set, who asks if they're going to attack now that they have more cool loss. Ellen considers what the Mist Spirit had tried to tell him, but also what he need, all, what all he needs in Fadrex, including Vin. He tells Set to inform the soldiers to form ranks and that they attack in the morning, but the Kolos will go first to break defenses. Ellen thinks that he'll get Vin, get into the cavern, and survive as long as they can. Were you surprised that Ellen decided to attack even after his meeting with the Miss Spirit? Yeah, because while I was while he was saying that, I was like, he literally said, "Don't like you know," mm -hmm. and you chose to do it anyways. <laughs> Which I mean, then he yeah whatever he flips around pretty quickly. So uh -huh. we won't we won't attack. We're gonna retreat. Weirdest retreat ever. <laughs> like I loved him in that moment. And was so funny. <laughs> It's like that's a very weird retreat. <laughs> you see yeah. Colas running from like a tiny army. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, and I imagine like the tiny army just slow running because they don't want to fight the Colas. Yeah. Well, probably and also like, there's like, a fuck ton of ash. They're probably like trying to wade through this like waist high ash to get to the Colas. Right. <laughs> you just see them like no, basically. No, the Colas are clearing the way. Well, no, they cleared the way from the other direction. They didn't get. I mean, until they get to the, where the Kolos had been, they're just wading through the ash. 
I wonder what long-lasting effects the Ash has. <laughs> uh, so chapter 62's epigraph. I suspect that Elendi, the man Rashak killed, was himself a misting, a seeker. Allomancy, however, was a different thing in those days, and much more rare. The Allomancers alive in our day are the descendants of the men who ate those few beads of preservation's power. They formed the foundation of the nobility and were the first to name him emperor. The power in those few beads was so concentrated that it could last through ten centuries of breeding and inheritance. Uh, so were you surprised to learn that Allomancy had been around before Reshek became the Lord Ruler? I was actually kind of surprised about that. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, I had totally forgotten that was a thing. I did not think Allomancy was a thing before <laughs> Reshek became the Lord Ruler. I was I read this epigraph and I was like, wait, they, he was a seeker? What? <laughs> yeah, so you kind of um, gave us wrong information. I mean, as far as we knew back then. We don't learn yeah, so now. you kind of give us wrong information. <laughs> Look, I had forgotten, okay. Yeah. Always. She always gives us wrong information. Because you confirmed that. No, she, it was you like, you understand not a thing. You understand she always gives us wrong information. I'm trying right? my best. That's true. Uh, so we switch to Say's point of view as he looks down at an unconscious spook. He thinks that he'll be scarred for the rest of his life if he lives. He also thinks that he definitely does not have pewter considering how long he has been unconscious. Apparently he had tried feeding some pewter to spook just in case. Velder stayed by spook's side, spending more time with him than her brother. Kellyan had only had minor injuries, including his broken arm, and had become much more civil and willing to work out a deal with them. Sage checks on Spook's wounds, and Beldry asks about his condition. Sage says he isn't sure if he'll recover, but Beldry replies that she's sure he is. She says that he is more of a man. He is more than a man, and he brought her brother back to how he was before, and he helped the city. Sage thinks that Beldry seems to love Spook. Sage finds this a little silly, since she'd only known Spook for a few weeks at most. But somehow, in that short time, Spook had become a hero to the city and gained Beldry's love. Uh, so first of all, were you surprised Spook was still alive? Yes. But, I mean, not at the same time. All, now, all I can see him as is the fucking... Um, what's, his fucking what's the goddamn dude's name? Uh, Anakin Skywalker, when he got burned by the lava. He's just, like, part of him. He's just like, I can't feel any part of my body except one... My arm! Why can't I feel anything? Were you surprised, Darkness, that Spook was still alive? No. No. Yes and no. You gonna elaborate on that? <laughs> so, yeah, hold on. I was just trying. Okay. I was just trying to uh, figure out how to say it. So, like, I wanted him to die. <laughs> <laughs> I know you did. Which is it sounds horrible, but it would have been a cool death. Mm -hmm. But I figured he would not die because mm -hmm. you know it'd be cool. Mm -hmm. Also, <laughs> but also, um, man, I blanked. I was gonna say something. I blanked. <laughs> that makes me so sad. I'm sorry. My also, I also had a question here: Is what did you think about the fact that Beldry has fallen in love with Spook? Somebody had to. <laughs> Cringy ass motherfucker. I liked her better when she was about to get like witch child by the whole like community. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck happened to me. I think I spaced out for like five minutes, like going through <laughs> stuff in my head. What for the book? Yeah. Like while well, reading the book? Yeah, no, that happened to me last time too. Right? No, like, no, like right now. No, like right no. now he's talking oh. about. He forgot like, going what he through, like say. theories and like, like stuff that's happening. I spaced out for like five fucking minutes or something. I don't know what happened. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> um, so Sazen leaves the room and goes to his own room in the nobleman ha home that they now occupied. On a table sat just ten pages left of his religions to study. We then skip to the next day in the late morning as Sazen finally finishes going through the last of his religions. He feels numb, having eliminated every religion that he had memorized. All of them had logical fallacies, and even more damning, all of them said their followers would be blessed if they had all been struck down by the Lord Ruler. Suddenly he thinks that there must be something, and moves to pull out his metal mines, but instead pulls out the large tome. 
Inside were words written by him and Tyndall, the book with everything they knew about the religion surrounding the hero of ages. He thinks that if he believes, it means that the god that God has failed, and that it was better to believe in nothing at all. So what do you think about Sazed finally getting through all of his religions after going through them all book? Finally. Now he just needs to find the religion that is of the fucking terrorist true people. religion. Yeah. Or maybe, like I've said about religions in the past, uh, maybe they're all right in one shape or one, you know, one shape or form, and you just have to take each piece that is correct and put it together, and it'll create the actual true religion. Mm. Yeah, because every religion seems to have something that seems you know correct, while others you know, but other things that aren't uh, as correct, and so it makes the entire thing. Because like if you put if you put one bad apple into a you know a bunch, it ruins the rest of the bunch, mm. kind of idea. So you make you you taint one basket of apples, and the whole basket is now tainted. Uh, what did you think, Darkness, about Sage getting through all of his religions? It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> That's like legit. I've been waiting for him to just like, please, at least like even if you don't believe in them, just like go through them and like figure something out, bro. Like, get it over like, with, and then figure out your shit. <laughs> nah, yeah, honestly. Yeah, get, done, get done with your depression, God. You know, because that's just <laughs> so how depression easy. works. So you easy. Just, yeah, you just, you just stop being depressed, you know? <laughs> right, Darkness? That's what my mom told me. I mean, that's <laughs> what everybody in my life has told me, too. But, you yeah. know, so far I haven't figured it out. Just be happy. It's that easy. <laughs> yeah, it's just that easy, you know? To just yeah. be happy. Uh, so Caesar notices a, the picture of a flower that Vin had given him, originally from Kelsier's mare wife. Wife mare, not mare wife. Can I read? <laughs> Can I fucking read today? Kelsier's wife mare. <laughs> it was a picture that had given. <laughs> Sorry, just... It was a picture that had given her hope of a world from before the Lord Ruler. Says looks up at the ceiling and asks, "Why leave him without hope and faith of all people?" He then hears Breeze and Tensoon speaking out in the hallway, and Says thinks that even the Chondra has more faith than he does. He grips the tome that was changed by Ruin and wonders if. If he even has faith in Ruin, and if so, why not have something better? He thinks that he just needs something real. He hears Tensoon say goodbye to Breeze and say to give his regards to the announcer, which causes Says to freeze. He suddenly jumps up and throws open his door, bursting out into the hallway, causing Breeze and Says, uh, not Breeze and Says, Breeze and Tensoon, oh my god, Breeze and Tensoon to stop in shock. He asks what Tensoon called him, and Tensoon replies that he is the announcer since he pointed out Vin is the hero of ages. Saist opens up his tome and flips to a part where his own writing shows the words Holy First Witness. Uh, so do you think this sign was somehow given to Saist by preservation, or was it just a coincidence that Tensoon called Saist this well he could hear him? I, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that it it means that there's some there's some reason. Like, it's not just a coincidence. At least not in this world, there's no coincidences. <laughs> what do you think, Darkness? Do you think this was a sign that Saist was asking for? It's more like a sign he was refusing to look for, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Also yeah, true. Tenzin's apparently been here for a couple days or something, so yeah, he, he could have talked to him earlier, but... hundred <laughs> uh, percent. So Breeze glances down at the book and mentions that Tenzin got the title wrong, but Say states that Ruin had changed their writing. Say asks how Tenzin knew the words of the ancient terrorist prophecies. Tenzin just says that no one wonders what happened to the Pac-Men that were with Rashek and Alenti. Breeze replies that everyone knows that Rashek made his friends the nobles, and Say says that he couldn't have made the Pac-Men into the nobles because they were ferrochemists. He wouldn't have given them allomancy to let them be potential, like, to be, like, a potential like, threat power. to him. Yeah. Yeah, like, 
Mm-hmm. Seiya says he must have killed them, but Tensu replies that the father did not kill his friends. He offered them a bargain. Immortality in exchange for their ferrochemy and something else. Seiya whispers that they gave up their humanity. Tensu replies that they call Rashek's friends the first generation, the founders of the Chondra people. Apparently Rashek turned all of the ferrochemists of the time into mistrace, which is where they come from. He gave his friends sentient okay. through hemallergic spikes. So what did... What do you think about the fact that all of the mist race are ferrochemists from okay, a thousand so years ago? Okay, so here's where you fed us another bit of, like, wrong information. Uh, when? okay, go on, you, you go on, but I don't think she fed us any wrong information in here. You don't think so? You think they were there I think before? She, I think she diverted, I think she diverted our thing, like, she, she didn't feed us inf- misinformation, she just kind of, uh, what's the word? Diversion uh, is still misinformation. I don't <laughs> no, think I gave any misinformation misdirection. on this. Misdirection. Misdirection. That's the word I'm looking for. It's not misinformation. It's misdirection. What misinformation do you think I gave? Go on, darkness. You said you you said there were misrates beforehand. No, you thought there were. I yes. asked a question. Thank you. If do you think the misrates came with the mist, or do you think they were there beforehand? You came up with the theory that the misrates were there mm-hmm. before. I, I never said. I never said that the misrates were around beforehand. I've asked questions about where the myth race come from, but I've never said where yeah, their origins were. She's never stated it. Yep. That's what I'm saying. She she misdirected you, maybe, but she didn't... I didn't even really like, misdirect. I just wanted to know what theories you had when we first learned about the myth race. I don't know about that. I, I, never, know about I never I never said where the myth... I, I never said where the myth race came from. You're giving me trust issues, you know. I'm sorry, oh, but I... Look, I think... First, of all, first of all, it started with the election. Darkness. <laughs> it started with the election. Look, I yeah, fucked up with the election. Lied about Electrum. I fucked up with Electrum. I did not. I did not say anything about the mess race. I don't know. I don't know if I could trust you. <laughs> oh my God. Um. Go on. Good night. Anyway, did you guys have any other thoughts about the the, the fact that all of the mess race were terrorismen, Barakimus? I, I kind of like it. Um. So says blinks away his tears, thinking that he had been a fool. He tells Bree that this. Hmm? Yeah. If they were all terrorismen. Yes. Does that mean that the new generations are also terrorists? Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So what? They get like terrorist people and just. No, they're 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 taking the mist race. So there's this giant population of mist race from way back. So basically, a thousand years ago, Rashek, when he held the power, turned every single fair chemist into a mist race. Which there was way more terrorist people back then because they weren't being called out by the Lord Ruler. So he turned like probably like a population of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of or who, who knows how many he turned he went to the terrorist population basically with these powers and any fair anyone with ferrochemy he turned into a mistwraith and then to just his pac-man friends he basically spoke into their consciousness and was like do you want immortality in exchange for your ferrochemy they said yes he once he turned them into mistwraiths he gave them hemolytic spikes which allowed them to regain their sentience and so i believe the pac-man remember their memories of being a terrorist but i believe it I think it gets explained, but it's not really a spoiler. But the the current Chondra do not have any memories from beforehand because they were mysteries for so long. Okay, but so only the humans, only the fairy chemists got turned. Yes, which is why they were still terrorist people and why they still That's had to breed it out. So he just he only turned the fairy chemists into mysteries. But there was still enough of them that there's been like a ton of mysteries still, and enough that they've been slowly turning the other mysteries back into Chondra, so that they could also huh. have sentience. So would that? How does that work? <laughs> Wait, no! Oh my god, no! I can't. <laughs> I keep trying to figure out how. Like, 
<laughs> how their bodies work now. Um, we'll, we'll learn more, I believe, in the next episode. Um, we, we get some more stuff with the... the Tune Kondra. in next time! We get some more stuff between... Uh, some more information between Sazed and Ten soon, and some more, more stuff about the Contra, which I don't really want to go into too much. Um, Not right now, because she doesn't want us to okay. have, you know... Discussion, um, so she doesn't fuck up and tell us. <laughs> so Says whispers. Uh, oh, sorry. Where was I? Uh, yeah. So Says blinks away his tears, thinking that he had been a fool. He tells Breeze that he, this means hope. Says goes into his room and hurriedly begins throwing together a travel pack. He tells Breeze that the terrorist religion lives on in the minds of people who actually followed the religion, not in just words that can be changed by ruin. The terrorist religion that his people have been desperately searching for lives. Says thinks that he had one religion left. His quest was not over. Tensoon tells Says to hurry up and that he can show him to the homeland on his way to find Finn. He also says that he hopes Says can convince the first generation that the end has arrived. Are you glad that Says has hope again? Yes. I think he's moving on too fast. <laughs> Alright, so chapter 63. Epigraph is, Ruin tried many times to get spikes into other members of the crew. Though some of what happened makes it seem like it was easy for him to gain control of people, it really was not. Sticking the metal in just the right place at the right time was incredibly difficult, even for a subtle creature like Ruin. For instance, he tried very hard to spike both Ellen and Yeoman. Ellen managed to avoid it each time as he did on the field outside the outside of the small village that contained the next-to-last storage catch. Ruin did actually manage to get a spike into Yeoman once. Yeoman, however, removed the spike before Ruin got a firm grip on him. It was much easier for Ruin to get a hold of, on people who were passionate and impulsive than it was for him to get a hold on people who were logical and prone to working through their actions and their minds. Uh, so what do you think about the fact that Ruin had been had tried to spike both Ellen and Yeoman but fucked up? Has <laughs> made all the best. Makes me happy. <laughs> were you surprised he actually did get a spike into Yeoman, but Yeoman pulled it out? <laughs> I wonder where he spiked them. Obviously not in a good enough place. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense why he spiked the what's his name in the eye. Penrod. Oh Maybe. no, in the eye. Heart. He's a, he put it. Yeah, in the Penrod heart. got stuck in the heart. Yeah, and they said Is if it, you remove it, you'll die. In the eye. Did someone get? Uh, somebody gets stabbed in the That's... eye in this in this one or whatever. Like they they talk about uh, was it can was it Marsh that uh, he. Some, I don't know if it was Marsh or if it was somebody else. He thought about one of them is like it concaved the eye socket or some shit. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's actually been spiked in the eye. I think definitely people have been like... someone got stabbed in the eye, I swear. If they did, it was someone that I don't remember, and they weren't that important. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Penra got specifically stabbed in the heart, because he got stabbed in a place where if they pulled out the spike, he would die. Which, yeah, again, was probably because Rune was like, fuck these people taking out my spikes. I need to just get it right (laughs) in there so they have to keep it in. Uh, so we go back to Finn's point of view as she asks Ruin why he led her to the Well of Ascension. Out of everyone in all of this time, Ruin in Rain's body ignores her question and says that he wishes she could see how beautiful the Ashfalls have grown, as if the sky itself has shattered, raining down shards of its corpse and flakes of black. Ruin then talks about the earthquakes and that Vin can blame the Lord Ruler for this if she wishes. Ruin says the Lord Ruler rejected him. As Ruin talks, Finn thinks that it had been exactly a thousand years since Rashik took the power from the Well, and that... When she had used the power, the glowing liquid had been gone. She thinks that it must have taken a thousand years for the well to regain full power. However, she wonders what the power was and where it came from. Rune continues talking, saying that a Lord Ruler just postponed the destruction of the world, and that when men try to make things better, they just make them worse. Just like Vin freeing him. Vin replies that Ruin hated the Lord Ruler for not freeing him and making him wait another thousand years. Ruin says that's true, but a thousand years isn't much time. 
He helped the Lord Ruler because his power is the only tool by which things can change. Vin thinks that she needs to do something and suddenly calls out for the guards. They ask her what she wants, and she replies that she wants to make a deal with Yeoman, and she has information she wants to give him. The guard leaves and eventually returns to remove her from her prison. Uh, so did you have any ideas what Vin's plan here might be before we... No. No? I was like, what kind of information are you going to give her, you dumb bitch? Right. Are you going to do that shit again? <laughs> mm-hmm. But you definitely didn't expect what she did, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like, uh, are you crazy? <laughs> Seducing Yeoman like that? Didn't expect it. Oh, gosh. Well, no. Well, uh, well. So as Vin is brought into Yeoman's audience chamber, she notes how tired he looks. She thinks that he should just be able to use pewter to keep himself from being tired, but then thinks about... Him, board, bitch. <laughs> but then thinks about how much misinformation around Alamancy there was because of the Lord Ruler. Which, I think she's kind of implying that she's like, oh, mm-hmm. maybe he's not a misborn. Uh, Yeoman doesn't yep. manacle her, as he says. He doesn't expect her to be here long. And asks about mm-hmm. the information. Yeoman also states that his guards don't think she's being truthful about wanting to make a deal. Ben tells Yeoman to ask her a question, and he asks her how Ellen controls the Kolos. She replies that he uses Allomancy. Yeoman doesn't believe her, but Finn mentions that there is a metal called Duralumin that can enhance your powers to make you strong enough to control a Kolos. Ruin asks what Finn is doing, and Yeoman replies that the information isn't provable in this situation. Finn then mentions how there are five storage caverns that lead them he- that led them here, and that the Lord Ruler had planned something for these caverns. She says that she feels there is a clue hidden in the text of the five plaques. She says she doesn't care about the Lord Ruler, but she does care about helping the people of this empire. Finn then tries to convince Yeoman... Uh, try, or sorry, tries to use Yeoman's thoughts of the Lord Ruler still being alive and somehow manipulating this to try to convince Yeoman that the Lord Ruler somehow wanted them to meet, since Yeoman was at the last of the storage catches. Yeoman then asks for his maps. As the guards run off, Yeoman tells Vin that this is not an exchange, that she will give him information and he will decide what to do with it. So were you surprised that Yeoman uh, decided to go along with Vin and asked for his maps? Was I surprised? No. She's very, she's very persuasive. You mean seductive? Nope, persuasive. Uh. <laughs> Were you surprised, Darkness? I was surprised she was like trying in general, to be honest. <laughs> Considering how she grew up, like, bro. she's got. I mean, she's kind of desperate at this point. She's like, I need to do something. <laughs> I need to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I've been it... here way too long. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. Well, but. I would have been, like, trying to do something with the Colossus from the very beginning. Mm. Well, she's worried about fucking up any plans that Ellen may have. I guess. <laughs> um, so Finn also brings up how the ash is falling more thickly. She says that they were worried about the mist, but the ash is what will kill them. Yon replies that the Lord Ruler won't let them die, but if Finn did kill him, then she has doomed them all. Which reminds Vin of th- what the Lord Ruler said to him when he died. Uh, the scribe then shows up with the maps, and Yeoman has Vin mark where each of the storage catches were. As Vin marks the map, it makes a square around Luthadel, and Vin also notices that there are a lot of mines near the storage catches. Yeoman notes that there doesn't seem to be a pattern, and Vin replies that she isn't lying about the locations. She then asks if he has maps of mineral deposits. He says yes, and she asks him to get it. He does so, although raises an eyebrow at her commanding him. Once the second map is there, Vin marks the storage catches again, and notes that each is in a rocky area with lots of metals. Yeoman says it could be coincidence, but Vin says that it's a pattern. So what did you think about the fact that all of the catches were near large mineral deposits? Sure, it's not a coincidence, because nothing in this is a coincidence. I mean, I'm sure the, it wasn't a coincidence where the Lord Ruler was placing them. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm sure mm-hmm. nothing is a coincidence, ever. Did you have any thoughts, Darkness, about the location of the storage catches? 
Yeah. It was 16% strategic move. Nice. Ha! Funny. Um, well, it makes sense that they were around medals, because, you know, she she says it. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> you, you just kind of trailed off there. It was like a... <laughs> Yeah, I was just, I was thinking about other stuff too. So. <laughs> I was just thinking like uh, about uh, his body in general. Mm. Humans. Um, but oh. but um, at that at that point, I was like, I was I was like essentially standing like in my mind, I was just standing there like um, ruin trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. <laughs> uh, so Yuman says that Ben could just be giving fake evidence, but she ignores him as she stares at the map, thinking about how Quan had said only what was written in metal could be trusted and she wonders if it was safe not just from being changed but from being read she then realizes that she and ellen have been leading ruin to the storage catches so that he couldn't read the maps ben wonders why ruin wanted the storage catches though and then wonders why she'd been so focused on trying to find the atm when like yeoman had said it really didn't have any value to them at this point ruin wanted the atm Suddenly, there is an Inquisitor in the doorway, and Vin instantly recognizes him as Marsh. Yeoman and his soldiers fall to one knee, and Yeoman calls Marsh, my lord. Marsh tells Yeoman to be quiet and get on his feet. Marsh then tells Yeoman that he's about to be attacked and surprised by Kolos. Yeoman quickly shouts for his guards to go to the, get their defenses ready. Vin watches Marsh and thinks that Ruin had taken control of him. Were you surprised to see Marsh again? I mean, I figured it was going to happen eventually. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was not surprised. <laughs> I figured he would come by at the end of the fucking book. Mm. Now I'm waiting for him to do his little hero move. Uh, Marsh then tells Yeoman that he is here for the ATM. Yeoman then replies that there was no cache of ATM here. He only had the seven <laughs> bees that he had been able to save up in reserve. Vin and Marsh are both shocked as Yeoman reveals that he had let Vin believe he had the ATM. Ruin loudly shouts out in anger and he loses Ruin's form and became, becomes a tempest of darkness, a black mist like what she had seen in the room before the room with the Well of Ascension. Rune then quickly composes himself and turns back into Reen. Uh, so were you surprised the ATM was not in Fadrex after all? <laughs> oh, not at all, because I think it's in the trust. Mm. Why yeah, wouldn't you put I'm it I'm pretty there? sure I, like, I I'm thought sorry, about that after, yeah, we, we, We've made this comment before, but now with the added stuff that comes to it, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's just kind of more likely that he would put it with the people who are like supposedly his like once allies. Mm -hmm. You know? Like it's just... and also they get paid in ATMs, so yeah, yeah, too. It's all going there. Yep. Mm -hmm. You guys did believe didn't connect it for a while though with the whole trust in ATM thing. I think until last. Oh, episode. so you, are you are you confirming it now? Thanks. No. Well, um, I I did say yeah, I did say it when Tenson. I appreciate Tenson. it. Is no? it Tenson? Yeah, I did say when Tenson was in the court. Yeah, you guys you guys brought that up uh, as a theory recently. Um, no, I don't know how that's gonna work out. Cause it's supposedly like, is he is Tenso gonna just bring Sace to the trust? Cause, <laughs> cause they're like far as fuck, <laughs> right? Uh, he's gonna bring Sage to the homeland. Apparently, that's what he says he's gonna do on his way to go see Ben. Okay. He wants him to talk to the first generation, aka Rashex Bros. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it. I don't know. I feel like uh, I wanted to say says, but it's not says. Uh, fuck. What is the conjurer's name? Tensun. Tensun. Thank you, Tensun. Uh, I, I feel like Tensun is very correct with the whole. I mean, it's cringy, but the whole mother thing. You know, mm -hmm. like 
uh, the world ruler was the father. She killed him, so she became the mother. Kind of idea, you and know. He's like she's like focused on Vin. I I just I think it's correct. I think he's mm. correct in his assumption of that she is. You know what he's. You know that it's exactly mm. what it's exactly what it is. You know. Yeah. Uh, I just I feel like that's so he needs to he needs to bring her to the place so that she can. He just needs to fucking get to her first. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so Vin then tries to slowly move closer to Marsh, but Marsh walks up to Yeoman, angry that he doesn't have the ATM. He says that Yeoman is doomed, and Vin sees Ellen's camp breaking into attack. Yeoman asks Marsh for help, but Marsh asks why he would help Yeoman, and calls him and the Lord Ruler unprofitable servants. Suddenly, Vin announces that Ellen won't attack. She says that Ellen is just trying to intimidate him, and asks Yeoman to join them. Yeoman says that Ellen belongs... Not Yeoman. Marsh says that Ellen belongs to Ruin, just as everyone else does. But Vin replies that Ruin does not control Ellen. Marsh asks what it means if he does attack, and Vin just replies that Ellen won't attack because he is a better person than she is. Uh, so at this point, did you believe, Vin, that Ellen would stop his attack and not really attack? I, I, I mean, I didn't think he was going to attack. Fair. Darkness? Would I believe that what? Uh, d- did you believe, Vin, here, that Ellen was not going to really attack them? No. I thought they were going to be on completely different pages, Loki. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I, I expected that at that point it would be where, like, they're attacking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right after she says it. Then she just watches as the whole city gets attacked by Colos. <laughs> nah, he's not going to attack. Rumble, mm-hmm. rumble. <laughs> uh, so chapter 64. The epigraph is, one might notice that Ruin did not send his inquisitors to Fadrix until after Yeoman had, apparently, confirmed that the A-team was there in the city. Why not send them as soon as the final cache was located? Where were his minions in all of this? One must realize that, in Ruin's mind, all men were his minions, particularly those whom he could manipulate directly. He didn't see an inquisitor because they were... Uh, he didn't send an inquisitor because they were busy doing other tasks. Instead, he sent someone who, in his mind, was exactly the same thing as an inquisitor. He tried to spike Yeoman, failed, and by that time, Ellen's army had arrived. So, he used a different pawn to investigate the cache for him and discover if the ATM really was there or not. He didn't commit too many resources to the city at first, fearing a deception on the Lord Ruler's part. Like him, I still wonder if the catches were, in part, intended for that purpose, to distract Ruin and keep him occupied. So, do you think the catches were mainly meant as distractions to Ruin, or do you think there's going to be something bigger with them? There's going to be something bigger with them. I feel like each one has his own, like, purpose, beyond what we already know. It'd be like, you know, a bunch of Autobots rolling and just <laughs> combining, you know? <laughs> Imagine they split, uh, what's-his-name's body into parts. What's-his-name body? Ruin. Oh. oh. I put the arm over here, the leg over there, the head over here, the leg... <laughs> And that's what the caches are going to be for in the end. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. If if that's the tr- if that was the thing, I don't think the Lord Ruler would have had made that decision. Like that's. I don't think that would have been like the plan the Lord Ruler had. I feel like that's just. It would be a happen circumstance that the um, uh, like that they would figure that out. You know, they would just. Mm. They would be like, oh, you know, we have these caches now that we don't need anymore, so they're basically good prisons. Just throw each body part in there, you know. That, mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that would be them, <laughs> less on the Lord Ruler. Oh, that would be cool. But um, I feel like the Lord Ruler probably had something else to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something that else that we're missing that you know they're missing. But I mean, it's pretty unclear right now what it would be. Mm-hmm. 
so he switched to Spook's point of view as he goes in and out of consciousness, hearing voices in his dreams. A voice tells him that he needs to send a message as he has a clue that no one else does. The voice then tells him that he's proud of him. Do you think someone was actually speaking to Spook, and if so, who? Kelsier. You think it's the real Kelsier? Because I don't think Kelsier. I think Kelsier. Not like a. I mean, he's a god in the way that they they that ruin and uh, preservation are are gods. Like he died. He's being somewhat quote unquote worshipped, and is kind of giving him that little bit of power. Um, I also have this thought that preservation is kind of like channeling them in mm. some way, shape, or form. Um, you know, because he, they are preserving their essence. Mm, so you think he's like kind of preserving his soul a bit to help? Yeah. Mm. What did you think, Darkness? Did you think someone was actually speaking to Spook? I wanted to be his uncle. Is it his uncle? His uncle. His uncle. Oh, that would be cool too. I didn't even think about that actually. I would cry if it's like that. <laughs> I would literally just cry. It's like, I'm proud of you, Spook. I mean, you know. Uncle Clubs is proud. Is this before or after? Is this before or after the, uh, he had that thought, because I'm pretty sure it's after, he had that thought about how no, none of them, like, he wasn't, he wasn't put in basically, quote unquote, Kelsier's will after he was, you know, he killed himself. Uh, He had written and, like, kind of addressed everybody, but he never really addressed Spook and told him, like, you were, this is the reason I put you in the group, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think his one thing he said to him was that he was, he gave him the name Spook or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, bro, that's not like a, that's not a, a plus. Okay. (laughs) You gave me a nickname. Great. Like, why was I here? You were here because clubs. Because your uncle brought you. Yeah. Because your (laughs) uncle brought you. That's about the only reason you were here. Which is sad because he's really good. (laughs) He's the only 10 eye. So, in the group, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, so Spook opens his eyes to see Breeze with tears in his eyes. Feldry then also appears in his sight. He does also note, he's like, oh, I didn't want to see Breeze's ugly face. Oh, there's a pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he asks what is going on and is given some water. He asks why he can't move, and Feldry replies that he's covered in casts. Spook then asks where Sage is, and Breeze replies that he left with Vin's Chondra. Spook then asks about the city, and Beldry mentions that her brother got fire brigades organized. He then gets confirmation that the ash is falling more thickly and that they are getting refugees from all over. Then Spook says he needs to get a message to Vin. Breeze says they can do that once Spook is better, but Spook insists that something had to be control uh, had been controlling him and Kellyon. He says that he saw what Vin rele- what Vin had released from the well and that he needs to warn her. Beldry tells him to worry about it when he's healed. I mean, but then- Vin already knows. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gorodel speaks up, saying he can take the message. He says that Vin saved his life, and that if she needs to get th- this message, then he'll get it to her or die trying. Spook nods and asks for a thin like sheet of metal. That's ill omen right there, but you know. Spook nods and asks I'll get it to her or die trying. Spook nods Dies and asks- five seconds later. Spook nods and asks for a thin sheet of metal and something that he can scratch words into it with. He says that this message must be written in steel as he cannot speak the words out loud. Uh, so what exactly do you think Spook is going to write to Vin? It's either going to be something redundant since she already knows it, like uh, Ruin can uh, manipulate himself to look like anyone, mm-hmm. or it's going to be like something like, I saw Ruin, you're not crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if someone actually did speak to him, they said that he, he knows something no one else does. Yeah, oh, true. That too. But I mean, 
that's what I was thinking. It'll be how to how to defeat ruin or how to bring back preservation. Or He's got an idea in his head that we don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna write it down. Um, did you have any thoughts, Darkness, about what he's writing? How's he gonna write? Uh, apparently, he, he kind of notes that like his one hand is kind of working all right, so he's gonna awkwardly try and write. He's probably gonna have to have someone like prop up the sheet of metal for him. Well, that's gonna be so ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna take him like a whole day just to write like three sentences. Yeah. So our final chapter, chapter sixty-five. The epigraph is, in those moments when the Lord Ruler both held the power at the well and was feeling it drain away from him, he understood a great many things. He saw the power of Farakemi and rightfully feared it. Many of the terrorist people he knew would reject him as the hero, for he didn't fulfill their prophecies well. They see him as an usurper who killed the hero they sent, which in truth he was. I think, over the years, Ruin would subtly twist him and make him do terrible things to his own people, but at the beginning, I suspect his decision against them was motivated more by logic than emotion. He was about to unveil a ground power in the Mistborn he could uh, in the Mistborn. He could have, I suppose, kept Alamancy secret and used Farrakemis as his primary warriors and assassins. However, I think he was wise to choose as he did. Farrakemis, by the nature of their powers, have a tendency towards scholarship. With their incredible memories, they would have been very difficult to control over the centuries. Indeed, they were difficult to control even when he suppressed them. Alamancy not only provided a spectacular new ability without the, that drawback, it offered a mystical power he could use to bribe kings to his side. Uh, so do you agree that not trying to exterminate the terrorists would have made them a danger to the Lord Ruler? Yes, but I kind of want to see the world if it were like that. Mm. You ask the question one more. Ask the question one more time because I'm I lost track of what you said. <laughs> do you agree that uh, not trying to exterminate the terrorists would have made them a danger to the Lord Ruler? Like, do you think it was a like he was right to kind of get rid of them because they would were a danger to him? No, I don't think that was a good option. I, I mean, like, was, was it like a logical decision for him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, logically he's, you know, uh, logically he's, like, you know, paranoid as fuck. So, makes yeah. sense. I mean, you, especially since he knows his own power, so he would know that they could be, you know, way too powerful for their own good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we go back to Ellen's point of view as he watches the Kolos march towards Fadrex. He thinks that they likely won't even need the human soldiers if they have so many Kolos soldiers, and Yeoman soldiers likely haven't fought many Kolos. Ellen can feel the Kolos getting excited in pre preparation for the fight, and he asks Ham if what he is doing is right. Ham says that the move makes sense, as attacking is their only way to get Vin, and that they can't hold siege much longer. He also worries about Ellen being able to control them once they start attacking, and then also wonders if saving Vin is worth the life of even one child, but that taking the city and bringing them to Luthadel could also save people. Ellen thinks that he shouldn't have asked Ham for a definite answer, but then Ham surprises him by saying, no, this is not the right move. So are you surprised that Ham decided to give a definite answer, and do you agree with him? I agree it is not the right move, yes. Yes and yes. <laughs> honestly, honestly, uh, Character I got a little... <laughs> yeah, I got a little um, triggered with how Ellen responded to that, though. What do you mean? He's like, oh, you gave me a straight answer. Wow, that's crazy. Well, it's because he's to try and attack. <laughs> uh, so Ellen, Ellen thinks about Vin and how she had huddled in a corner crying after attacking Set's men. He thinks that Vin wouldn't do this. He then tells Ham to tell the men to pull back and head back to Luthadel. He says they'll find another way to get Vin free. Ham smiles and says Set will be furious, but Ellen says, what can he do? He's paraplegic. Is he just going to bite us? <laughs> uh, so were you surprised that Ellen decided to order a retreat? I wasn't surprised, no. Were you surprised, Darkness? Yeah, I told you I expected them to just fucking attack. 
that's fair. Uh, so we then switch to Vin's point of view as a soldier mentions that the army is pulling back. Marsha is watching out the window next to Yeoman, a hand on his shoulder. Vin then says that Ruin doesn't understand, that she knew he was following them around, looking for the ATM all along. Ruin says that it's impossible. Vin says he can't see metal properly, and that he couldn't see when they actually found the ATM. Marson suddenly charges at Vin, lifting her and asking where it is. She laughs and tries to slowly reach for his sash with his metal vials, but Marsha was shaking her too much. Ruin says that she will tell him where the ATM. Uh, Ruin says that she will tell him where the ATM is, and that she doesn't even know what the ATM really is. You mean Vin will tell him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vin then turns to Yeoman and says that his people are safe now, and asks if she he can now trust that Ellen is a good person. So, how did you feel about Vin's little taunting of like, oh, we knew all along that the that you were looking for the ATM, that you were following us around, and that you couldn't see the ATM, so you didn't know when we actually found it. Uh-huh. That made me happy, yeah. bro. I mean, that's <laughs> definitely a lie, but you know. Yeah, she's just going along with the flow, and she's like, oh yeah. Wait, it's a lie? It's I very... thought she had all the ATM already. Oh yeah, for sure. She's got all the ATM. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Marsh tosses Vin aside and tells Yeoman to get his soldiers ready for an assault. Yeoman is shocked, but Marsh insists that he is to attack Ellen's position. Vin tells Yeoman that he's being manipulated, but Yeoman tells his guards to give the order to attack and that the Lord Ruler will protect them. Are you surprised that Yeoman actually went along with this and agreed to attack Ellen? I was very frustrated, as I said. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I think, were you surprised? No, not at all. Uh, so we then go back to Ellen's point of view as he and Ham watch as soldiers pour out of Fadrix to attack them. Ellen notes that some of the soldiers stayed behind on the wall, though. Ellen finds himself uncomfortable with the situation and tells Ham to order a retreat of the soldiers. Ellen also has the Colossus begin to retreat, and Ellen thinks that he needs to finally figure out what is going on in that city. Back to Vin's point of view, we see Yeoman crying as he has his back to the window. Yeoman says that this is a test and that the Lord Ruler will protect his men and his city. Vin then moves to stand next to Marsh, and is surprised to see Ellen's army retreating. Marsh did not seem to find Ellen's retreat amusing, and he asks Vin if she thinks she's won. As he leans in, Vin tries to reach for one of his metal vials again. Rune then comes up to her and says that she is the one being played with, and asks if she really thinks that he would let them control the Coloss if it wasn't for his eventual gain. We then move back to Ellen's point of view as he feels a ripping sensation as the control of the Coloss are taken from him. He watches as the Coloss stop running and begin to turn on his soldiers. So, what do you think of the fact that Ruin just took the control of the army from Ellen? Were you expecting that he'd just be able to... That was badass. <laughs> Were you expecting that he was kind of just letting them have control of the Coloss to make them feel like they had control? Yeah. I thought they actually had control. Yeah, I did too. I was like, oh, that's kind of fucked. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 you were just playing my game. Let me take my fr- my yeah. pawns back. <laughs> yeah, let, let me go ahead and pull them back now. These are mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so again, back to Vin, as Marsh says that every Coloss and Inquisitor the Lord Ruin, Ru- the, bleh, the Lord Ruler built bleh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> was just bleh, a servant bleh, bleh. for Ruin. <laughs> Yeoman gasps quietly as he excitedly says that the Coloss are turning on Ellen's men. Vin says that they'll turn on Yeoman's men next, and then destroy the city. Ruin says that this is the ending, and that he just needs the ATM. I don't think my question here is relevant. I was kind of like, why do you need think Ruin needs the ATM so badly? But you guys are just like, it's his body. <laughs> Yeah, I, I no, mean, he's it's, hungry. It, it, it feels it just it just feels like that's the answer to the that question, you know? Yeah. It it just it's one of those feelings that I get when I'm like, um, well, it just seems this way. <laughs> like, why do you want the ATM so bad? Pro- we know you're looking for your body. 
put two and two together, you know? Yeah. Uh, so Vin then finally is able to grab one of Marsha's metal vials, as Ruin says that she can't fool him, as he is God. Marsha raises a fist to hit Vin, but then pauses as Vin quickly drinks down the metal vial. Vin avoids Marsha's hit and pulls him off balance before shooting her earring through Marsha's forehead. Marsh drops, and Vin flies backwards due to the force of her own push. Vin shouts for Yeoman to bring his men back and fortify his city, but Yeoman says he won't lose faith. Vin grabs Marsha's second vial and drinks it before going out the window. She goes to jump out to try to help in the fight, but then notices a small group of Koloss, Vin's Koloss. Ellen and Ruin had both forgotten about them. Vin goes back to the window and tells Yeoman that the Koloss don't care who they are fighting, and that the Inquisitor even told him that the Lord Ruler was dead. She then feels Ruin trying to pull the Koloss away from her, but the damage was done. Yeoman had seen the Koloss attacking his men. He glances at Vin and then shouts for retreat and to allow Ellen's men safely into the city. What do you think about Vin being able to use her Koloss to convince Yeoman to stop trusting Marsh? It was smart and lucky, and honestly, I didn't think it was going to work. Because <laughs> Ren already took control of like Ellen's Koloss. So... She had just enough time. Yep. Uh, so suddenly Marsh grabs Vin's leg, and she sees his head healing. Marsh says that he can kill Yeoman, and his soldiers will still follow him because of their belief in the Lord Ruler. Vin then tries a Duralumin enhanced soothing on Marsh. She feels a wall as Marsh stumbles and she continues to push, but the wall pushes her back. Marsh growls and grabs her around the neck, growing in size like a fair chemist. Suddenly, the mists begin to swirl around her. Marsh started, but continued to hold her, and Vin draws upon the mists. A surge of powerful allomancy comes over her and she pushes on Marsh's emotions. The wall cracks and she sees through his eyes and also sees a hateful and destructive thing. Ruin was not the same thing as the mists. Marsh cries out and drops her. Vin's power uh, over him is gone, and he jumps out the window. Vin has no time to consider how she was able to draw upon the mist as she cries out for retreat and that she's going to go help. Telling you, think... you I know it's the earring! <laughs> what do you think about Vin being able to draw upon the mist finally, and being able to take control uh, of Marsh for a When second? she loses her earring again! <laughs> yep. I throw my earring at him. Oh, all of a sudden, now the mists are, you know... <laughs> okay with me again i'm like all right you you're you're basically just telling me i'm right in the, at this <laughs> point like ah uh, i was just like the moment she said it's the book said that she had thrown the earring and hit him with it or whatever and i was like oh and now she's gonna be able to use the mist and then immediately <laughs> later it's oh well uh, i drew upon the mist again and i'm like who knows you why don't <laughs> you don't have the earring do you have any thoughts there darkness just, I wonder why though, because maybe it has in silver, or what is it? Bronze? No, it's bronze and silver. Or yeah, it's bronze it's and bronze, silver. Bronze and silver. Yeah, I think it's a, something with the silver. To be honest, but mm. I mean, it, if it's something with the bronze, that's just crazy to me. But because bronze is an actual alimentic metal, but if if it's something with this, you know, silver, it would make more sense. You think maybe silver, like, repels preservation or something for some reason? Maybe, yeah. Don't know why, but, yeah, maybe. What were you going to say to us? Oh, are you saying mist is, the preser is preservation? What? No. Mm. Midnight. Uh-huh. Midnight. I mean, what did the mist spirit say to Ellen? Honestly, I don't remember anywhere. That was chapters ago. I'm pretty sure was... the mist spirit well, to tells... Be fair, go on. No, continue. I was going to say, I'm yeah, pretty sure the mist spirit waves its arms when Ellen asks if it's related to the mist, 
it's, it waves its arms, and then he's like, but are you killing people? And it stops waving its, its arms. So it, it does confirm that it's related to the miss. I would say it's open to interpretation, but not confirmed. Yeah, exactly. But it's confirmed now, so... Yeah, it's confirmed. Anyway, anyway, he kind of confirms. Okay. She, she's jumping to the conclusion that it's confirmed, so... We we can now jump to that same conclusion, even though I'm sure not everybody would have came to that conclusion. I, I thought it was pretty okay. Well, I was already I was already about it's to say okay. something I, about it. I yeah, a feel, what were you going to say, already, so. Come on, darkness. Well, I I had a like so you know how he's the black mist, and yeah. you know we had a thing happening at one point where we we're like, oh, what if like preservation's the white mist or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I feel like it would make sense that it's just like hemolurgic stuff in general that's like repelling preservation which is the mist mm-hmm. or whatever and so like silver with her having it on it's gonna like stop her from using it mm-hmm. like the ring the ring the fucking uh earring yeah in the earring and also is I was, a hemolurgic spike and it's was, that's what's preventing in its own way yeah i think so too but i mean like when she puts it in her ear but some piece of metal pushed through her body. Um, She had a little sister, right? Yeah. Had. She's dead. Her mom killed her. What if her mom did the hemolytic shit with, like, the earring, stabbed the sister, and gave it to Vin? Uh, it's possible. So, I'm gonna go with that. Anyway, um, I also have, I also was thinking, like, you know how when she went into the well and she had to get rid of all the fucking metals? Mm Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like that, and in order to use like um, in order to use the mist, the way she does like that, she doesn't have to. She she can't have metal on her like that. Mm. Can't have metal like in her, basically. Yeah, yeah like a hemolytic spike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bro, my throat is dying right now. <laughs> We're almost done. Then almost. you can then you can rest. Then I can uh, die. <laughs> no, <laughs> please, please don't, don't die. die. But you can rest. Uh, So we finally go back to Ellen's point of view as he cuts down Kolos after Kolos. He couldn't seem to take any of them under his control no matter how hard he tried, so he just kept fighting them. His army had ended up back at their original fortifications, which meant they had a small hill and didn't have to fight in the deep ash. He had coin shots and archers shooting at the Kolos from afar, supported by lurchers who could pull on the Kolos weapons to give other men openings. Ellen ends up near Set, who is giving out battle strategies and reviewing maps. As Ellen walks over, Set says that he never did like having those things in the army, and that they at least will die in battle instead of starving. Suddenly, Vin appears, <laughs> jumping down towards them, and says that Yeoman will let them into the city. Ellen smiles and asks her what took her so long, and Vin replies that she got delayed by an Inquisitor and a Dark God. That is the end of our final chapter. Dun, dun, dun. Let us go into my overview questions. First of all, well, let's what do you... go into the next epigraph. Because... Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen when Sazed gets to the Condra homeland? If he gets to Condra, he's going to find out. He's mm-hmm. going to find out about the trust. You think he's going to make it in, and he's going to get to talk to them? I hope so. I mean, they they he's are the his people. He's going to become his people. So, <laughs> man, you know, they are his people. So they are apparently his people. Yeah. So. He is their descendant. Ugh. I can hear him fucking fangirling already. <laughs> I imagine him like, please really tell me about our religion. Like, Give me your autograph, please. Please tell me about Describe your religion. It in metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Subscribe it in metal. <laughs> <laughs> I'll carry this metal plate with me always. Uh, my next question is: Do you think I'll Tenzin? Be sure they don't eat it. <laughs> do you think Tenzin will make it to Vin? Yeah. No. You don't think so, Darkness? He's like three thousand years away, bro. <laughs> Two thousand years away. Okay. <laughs> okay, you took away a thousand years, but okay. Oh, you say three? Oh, God, even worse. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think Tenzin's going to end up doing then? Do you think he's just going to stay in the homeland with Sazed, or is he going to try and make it and just not make it? Who are you talking to? Darkness? Darkness, because Darkness is the one who said that he yeah, depends. Yeah. yeah. But it, de it depends, like... It depends how the battles go. Mm. I think it kind of depends where it, where it gets to. Because if it's like a... If it's yeah, because it could be like a long-lasting situation where he'll actually be able to reach it in time for like the final stuff, mm. or it could be like, oh, it's a quick battle that's happening right now. We got to do something, so I'm just gonna go back to the fucking conjure and like try and start some shit again. Mm. Well, remember, Ruin said that they have less than weeks. Although maybe that's changed now that he knows that the ATM's not there. Yeah, <laughs> so. We'll see. We don't know how dependent his timeline was on the ATM. <laughs> he's like uh, checking off like uh, stuff from his list. <laughs> he's like, God damn it! I gotta reprioritize everything. <laughs> yeah, he's checking it twice. You know. Yep. Gotta find out which ATM is not even nice. Uh, so do you think Gorodel will be able to get Spook's message to Vin? No, I think he dies. I think he dies. Yeah, because he foreboded himself with the fact that you know i'll make it think, there do you think he's just gonna randomly die, die or do you think ruin's gonna like specifically try and kill him off? i think ruin's gonna specifically kill him off <laughs> what do you like, think? who are we talking about Gorodel. so the, the, the guy, guy who is sending bringing the, the plate the plate that spooks spooked. message uh, yeah i completely forgot about him <laughs> do you think he's gonna get name specifically do you think he's gonna get the message to vin darkness yeah i just want to know what he wrote <laughs> oh, but that would be such a good like thing for the plot where he just dies and then at the end we find out what the fuck he wrote in the fucking thing. And nobody oh, else that would knows be so except horrible. Spook. I hate it. If that happens, I'm not I'm not reading the next book. What do you mean? <laughs> what? We're going on what? to another like series. The next book of this world. Oh, okay. The f so okay. Interesting. Just no more Mistborn. Yeah, no he's, more Mistborn. He, he's giving up on Mistborn apparently. Uh. And I mean, then again, so is everybody else. So. My final... You almost gave up on it this book. Yeah, <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. I'm gonna give up on it because it killed Spook off. <laughs> my final... Midnight, your final what? My final question <laughs> for my this episode <laughs> is, now that we only have two episodes left of this book, who all do you think is going to live and die? So that lady from the tunnel, she's gonna live. Yeah, okay. Forever. She's a yeah. god. Yeah, yeah. We know that. Okay. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's the only person uh, who's gonna live. Who do I think is gonna live or die? I think Vin and Ellen both die. I think Spook stays alive forever, only because I want him to. Um, <laughs> do I ever think about the the people that uh, Tensun sent into the underground? Like what they doing right now? Oh, the people from Luthadel. They're hopefully just I chilling guess. in a cave, eating the storage cap, the storage cache food. Actually, they didn't, even, wait, they didn't even have a storage case. They're they're in the like the the fucking tunnels that Kelsier was just like. Went. A, yeah, I don't know. They're just hanging. Yeah, they just went. They're chilling. <laughs> I I have a feeling they're cannibalizing each other by now. <laughs> My God. 
You'd hope they brought some supplies. I don't think they've been gone that long. Yeah, it's only been like a week. You no, know, they're, they're, eating probably eating one, they're eating they're probably only eating one child. <laughs> oh my gosh. Who who else do you think Mythic is going to live or die? Actually, they would have to Breeze is going to die. I think everybody but Spook dies. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even Sazed? Oh, no, not Sazed. Sazed becomes a god. <laughs> what about Tensu in the No, Congress? he's going to die and then he's going to be reborn a god. I think, you know... No. <laughs> Tensoon maybe too. I think Tensoon stays alive too. So just Kondra, I think, I think gods, Tensu's... and Spook. <laughs> yeah. Well, Spook is a god too. So, okay, okay, okay. So just, just, just the Kondra and the gods are going to stay alive. No. So here's my here's my all end all theory. Okay. okay. Spook becomes a Mistborn. Okay. Saze becomes a god of both ruin and preservation. Okay. Um, Tensoon becomes the leader of the whatever the the chandra uh, one second uh human becomes the leader of the uh coloss mm. and and leads them to no longer be have to rely on ruin mm. um he's gonna be like the outlier the only one that uh doesn't get cha- turned mm. um, so human becomes human <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think well, I think then he he's going to try to look for a way to become human, mm. like actually human, not just you know saying he's human. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Ellen and uh, Ben definitely die, probably fighting to capture Ruin or defeat Ruin. Breeze and Ham. I think Ham's just going to die in general because he's going to probably be stupid and go fight something like mm. the Coloss or some stupid ass shit like that. Uh I think Breeze is just gonna get killed in general by some stupid little disease or some other, you know, off screen bullshit. Yeah, something something stupid. Um <laughs> who else? Who else is there that I can think of? Uh gonna die of what is that fucking volcano shit? Uh Volcano shit? Yeah, the disease, pneumosilicovolcanoesis, or whatever. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's funny as fuck, though. Pneumo. Oh god. Um, oh, ultra microscopic silicovolcanoesis. There you go. Oh god. <laughs> What's am I missing? Long I feel like I'm missing word. somebody else. Uh, you didn't mention Alrian, technically. I don't give a fuck about her, so. Uh, Demo? Demo and his group? Demo still alive? Well, we don't know. They they don't know if Demo's alive or not. <laughs> I I already wrote him off, so. Okay, I wasn't sure. I just we, we're, we're already, unknown I, on Demo right now. I'm just trying to think yeah, of I characters. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought he was already dead. Uh, Marsh. I think Spook's girlfriend. I think Spook's girlfriend dies. Oh, you think his girlfriend dies? That sucks. Or Spook. I just, no, I, I just don't like. <laughs> she him. has to get pregnant first. <laughs> they need to have their army and of then die with the baby in, in in utero. Yeah, sure. Okay. Make it even worse. No, I wanted an army survive. of spook children. They'll all oh know Eastern street slang. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, I still, oh, I still hold out preservation for the fact that Eastern street slang is going to become a thing <laughs> that is needed. He wrote. Like, he wrote the message in Eastern street slang. Yeah, that. Yeah, that. That. Mm. Now that would be hilarious. <laughs> all right, is that it for your guys' predictions there for the end? Yeah, I think so. You got darkness. Anything? I literally, I have a feeling almost everyone's gonna fucking die. It's so annoying. Yeah, because they're going under a new book. That's the reason I'm saying it. But 
yeah, uh, like a sign-off type of thing. Yeah, like I mean, like well, I mean, they're going to an, an entirely new era, so I feel years like later. exactly. I feel like none of them would live unless they were fucking immortals or gods. The thing so, is, though, will they live so that we see descendants of them? Are we going to see oh, like great, great, great grandchildren? Oh, I mean, if they if that happens, that's just crazy. Imagine Spook's plus, children what, carry the same generation of name. That's like what three generations of fucking. No, it's it's way much? more because you have it. Four generations, yeah. It's it's probably well, well, three hundred years. If like, what's the you average lifespan in this? In this? I, I think it's about same as humans. But like, if you consider like you have a kid somewhere between twenty to forty, like at the latest, Aww. it's like two and a half generations per hundred years. It's like what, like ten generations or so? Seven, seven and a half generations in three hundred years. Seven and a half yeah. generations. I mean, Did they still... say that the powers start fading at ten generations? Uh, not that they start. So th- they they're technically ten generations in currently. Like Vin's ten generations down from original mm-hmm. Alan So like it's not like faded, faded, but it's like it's all right still. It's just you can't control a Coloss or a Chondra without Duralumin. Mm-hmm. Imagine um, Spook's line keeps, like, the name theme, and it's, like, further down, we just hear, like, terror. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Fear. Oh my Horror. Horror. <laughs> For our second to last episode, we will be reading chapters 66 through 75. The whole book. Goddamn. Nope. 66 through 75. All right, everybody that is listening to this podcast, just read the whole book. What? Finish the book off. You'll hear the next two chapters. Yeah, send us uh, the next two episodes. Spoilers and through emails. Actually, wow. don't send me spo- don't send me spoilers. Send them all the darkness. <laughs> I want my theories yeah, to be correct. I want to find them out later. Oh my gosh. My theories are also going to be correct after the spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. yeah, after the spoilers. Um, but yeah, so those are the chapters we're doing next time. Thank you guys all so much for listening. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.